Welcome back to Beyond the Tavern Wall, a D&D podcast where we discuss all things Dungeons and Dragons, from what makes a good villain, which is the topic for today, to many other topics to help enhance your adventures and make Dungeons and Dragons more of a game that you can get into and enjoy while you play. I'm your host, Brayden Figgins, and I'm joined by the darling and dashing does that work can i say dashing for you guys i like dashing dashing is nice okay dashing darling and dashing other tavern keepers we're gonna start out with sam sam do you want to introduce yourself and tell us what your favorite weapon in dungeons and dragons is favorite weapon yep i had it in the outline well okay are we talking like traditional or are we talking just like obscure but technically in the game uh Go traditional, but you can say your obscure one too. All right. Hi, everyone. I'm Sam. My favorite weapon. I love me some some mauls and great axes, the big heavy two-handers. If we're talking non-traditional, you're not going to see this in most campaigns. I like revolvers. I like me some guns. Guns. You how many revolvers does Roland have? Like three? Yes, two. He gave one away. Oh yeah, you gave one. And then the- we miss you. Yeah. One yeah. day he'll be back. One day. We wait your return. Uh going off of Sam, we're gonna jump to we're gonna jump to Kendall. We'll put the couple together. Kendall, introduce yourself and tell us your favorite weapon in Dungeons and Dragons. Hey everybody, I am Kendall, and my favorite weapon in Dungeons and Dragons, I think, is either a quarterstaff or a scimitar. Thank you for that. That makes perfect sense. As a cleric, and also, I just feel like scimitars fit your personality. Thank you. I don't know why, they just do. Haley, introduce yourself, and tell us your favorite weapon. Hi everyone, I'm Haley, and I'd have to say my favorite weapon is either a glaive, or just a good old flail. Aha, uh-huh, I knew it was that. I think we've talked about this before, and they're like I the coolest so. weapons. They're the coolest mm-hmm. weapons. I agree. I think... We probably talked about it at Fanix with everyone. I'm not sure. Whatever it is. Uh, Hunter, last but not least, uh, the man with an H in his name, introduce yourself. Well, hello, I'm Hunter. Honestly, I, I, I'm not entirely sure. Quarterstaffs are awesome. I'll also stick with longbows because rangers are awesome. Sweet. Again, I'm Braden Figgins. Uh, my favorite weapon, I really enjoy, like the idea of having a sickle. Because I feel like no one uses a sickle in D&D, but you also, it's just a very unique weapon in that sort. But I also like glaze and flails too. I think they're really cool. Um, As I said earlier in our introduction, we are going to be talking about the impact of a villain, a BBEG, a big bad evil guy in your campaign. What role they should play, what makes a good villain, and many different things um, in order to enhance the bad guy the main person your your heroes are going to fight, your adventures are going to fight, so that they have a memorable experience in your magnum opus of your campaign. So the first question we're going to ask, game, very easy question, we usually do this in a lot of our podcasts, is what are some of the best villains in media, books, uh, movies, or whatever, uh, whatever form? I'm going to go ahead, we're going to start with, we're going to start with Kendall. What are some of your favorite villains or some of the best villains? Um, some of my favorite villains would definitely have to be, um, 
Uther from the Merlin series, the Merlin TV series. He is incredibly frustrating, which I think makes a good villain. He isn't quite completely evil, but he has um he has traumas and prejudgments. Well, not prejudgments. He has traumas and biases from his past that he will not let go to the detriment of his kingdom and his family. So I think that makes a really compelling villain. I was about to say, I don't think he's the villain, is he? He is the villain. I mean, sort of, I guess. Have you seen the show? Not all the way through. We still haven't finished it. Okay, well, we're going to watch it. So there you go. Random Merlin side. I think I'm still Mm. at the point where he's just like frustrating, but not bad. Oh, he gets bad. Like, like, like punt a child bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's me. (laughs) 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 Oh, no. (laughs) Um, I feel like villains don't necessarily have to be like, there are some side villains too. For example, in um, Wednesday night group, Althelion was in a sense, the big bad evil guy of the arc in a way he was a villain of the arc, even though you guys ended up fighting the Banshee, the woman in white, you guys were doing that to stop the villain of Alphilion. Yeah. I would say, I would say Uther takes that role in the Merlin series, but he's more memorable than the other one. So. Are you not saying the other one because it's a spoiler? Um, yes. (laughs) It's, it's Merlin, isn't it? No. You know what? The show's been out for like 15 years. It's more gone. I was going to say, I don't think they deserve spoilers. Like, spoiler just in alert case, in this. <laughs> just in case, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about a bunch of villains, possibly twist villains, so sucks to suck, deal with it. Please still listen, but... Merlin, Uther, uh, Arthur, is... I, I'm, we're done with Merlin. I know I want to ask a question about Bert Merlin, but I'm not going to. Sam, what is a villain that, what is some, one of your favorite villains or d- the best villain in your opinion? The best villain? Or your favorite, one of the two. Oh, geez. Okay, so my, what, my favorite and I think the best villain, and I'm, I've talked about this before and I'll talk about it again. Mr. Silver from Treasure Planet. You dog, you stole mine. <laughs> I'm sorry. Treasure Planet is and always will be my number one favorite movie. It is my it's my comfort movie. If I'm it's having so a stressful good. day at work. I'll I'll put it on and listen to it while I'm at work. We should have a, a Treasure Planet party because I've not seen it in years. Yes, oh my should, gosh. should we do it for yes, Sam's birthday? Please. Yes, please. I'm okay. I'm so for yes. that as a. I'm down. Sam, I, I will gonna, make. I will make it very themed and cool. Anyway, continue. Sam and mine's birthdays are really close to each other, so I was going to talk to you, Sam, to see if you wanted to combine birthdays again. I'm down to do that as well. I'm so for it. I hate celebrating my birthday, so if I can, if I can combine it with someone else's, I'm all for it. Anyway, besides the point, what makes Mr. Silver the and Hunter? You can pipe in as well. A yes, join me, fantastic Hunter. Fantastic villain. He's relatable. It, sort of. He. He has his piratey adventure and greed, but he he learns to change. I'm I'm really tired, so Hunter, you're gonna have to help me out here. <laughs> sure, I got you. Um, man, where do I even start? He's such he's a, just he's kind such of the a best cool character. Um, you love him. He's a lovable villain. 
he he really is because it's interesting that you see in the beginning of the movie it really does pretty much show exactly who he is and it's kind of obvious like when you first like really see him on the ship but he makes he draws you in makes you love him just becomes this father figure for for jim and then just this instant betrayal that just breaks your heart and you're like wow it gives that mutiny so much more punch oh my gosh it's he's he's brilliant i love him and then I gotta say, like, he is a villain, but, like, again, he turns one more time right at the end, sacrifices his lifelong goal, his dream to save Jim's life, and make makes you love him again, but it's, he's just, oh, I love him, I could go on and on. But still, like a villain, he, he escapes custody. Yep. Spoiler, if anyone hasn't seen Treasure Planet, also, if you haven't seen Treasure Planet, uh, we can't Watch be friends. It. Go watch it, and you can be friends with Mr. Sam over here. That's the only thing you need to do. It really is. Haley, since Hunter kind of piped into that one, Hunter will get to you in a second as well for your other one. But Haley, what about your villain? So my favorite villain of all time is Maven Kalor from the Red Queen book series. Ooh, never heard of I it. I don't think he would like it. Kendall, I think you would like it if you haven't read it, but... Haley has given me so many good book recommendations. I'm excited. Anyway. It's not a fantasy romance. It's more like a fantasy political uprising. Ooh, that's my jam. With a hint of romance in it, but eh. Hey, I just listened to a book about dragons that become humans, and the dragon falls in love with a human, and they're all like young adults, so I think I can handle that. Okay, go how'd ahead you and get, read it then. How'd you get my manuscript? Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Your password's a uh, pretty princess one, two, three. It's not that hard. Gosh, dang it. <laughs> you need to change it. Um, what makes her an excellent villain because of that? It's a man, first of all. That's oh, what yeah. I meant to say. I got, I got Put confused for a second. Put some respect on his name. I meant to say them. That's truly what I was going for. And then it just came out with him. I apologize. What makes them a fantastic villain um i think what makes him such a good villain is that at the end of the book i myself questioned if he was actually the villain in the story he has such like a tragic upbringing and complex motivations and then there's like betrayal in there too but it's all you get to read part of the book from his point of view, and it's all just such an internal struggle of the mip- the manipulation his family put him through, where he honestly thinks he's doing the right thing. He has no idea he's the villain. And I, he's just so, ugh, I love him. Kind of like uh, with Sam and Hunter, they just, I just love him so much that I can't really explain why he's such a good villain it's just something you kind of have to experience i think something you guys said there because this is kind of goes what made them a good villain is a, is a key point to like this whole discussion we're talking about that that point you made right there is that you love them so much that you can't like in a sense prove they're a villain is what makes them a good villain because they are so relatable and sometimes they make sense mm-hmm. like you're over here like no, that that totally makes sense as to why they would think that. Um, one of my favorite 
villains in all of so for my for my research for this today i uh i there's a podcast that i love called villains and it literally just talks about villains and why they're good uh and all and everything about that so one of my favorite episodes and one that i really want to watch and kind of dive into what makes this villain this guy so fantastic in what he does is uh, anton sugar from no country for old men has anyone seen that I've not nope. seen it, but I know who you're talking about. I another movie night where I want to watch this one so bad. As I was listening to the podcast about him, um, it just talked about how he, in a sense, believes that every single decision you have made made in your life has led you to that point where he is going to kill you. There has Ooh. been cho- like it, like that's how he bases off if he's going to kill. Like he. One of the most fantastic scenes, and I would if I would show it to you guys right now if I could, is when uh, he walks into a gas station and is talking to the the um, the guy the the cashier, and the cashier says something to kind of piss him off, and he's just like starts threatening his life, and he's like, "Hey, I have this quarter. I'm going to flip it, and you make the choice of heads or tails. And if you get it right, you live. If not, you die. In a sense." He gets it right and he lives, but he goes on basically to say like, that was the choice you made to make you live. And then later on, you get a, get to a situation where the choices that were already made in that person's life ended up, he, he doesn't need to do a coin flip because he already made the choice that ended up with Anton Shukur going to kill them. And it's super fascinating because in his mind, he's right. He's a product of a society. He is a, uh, war, not a World War II, a Vietnam veteran and a lot of those veterans were were treated like crap coming back. So in in his world, it's just like he made his own rules now because society already re- rejected him. Mm. And he was the devil's accountant, is what he called himself, I believe. He would go out like he he just it, it's such a fascinating like deep dive into the the psychology of this person um, that I personally am really really excited to watch, and it makes me even more excited to just watched no country for old men as well um hunter what is your villain besides mr silver oh there's uh, you have to do I two say, i i'm i'm i could do like 10 my guy I'm, i love villains i love like looking at kind of into their perspective getting into that mindsets uh mr silver is one of my favorites um Darth Vader's up there. I'm not going to talk about him, but huge shout out. Probably the one of the most iconic villains of all time. But the two that I really want to touch on, one that I was reminded of recently is Clue from Tron Legacy. Ooh. And then additionally, Tai Lung from Kung Fu Panda. Oh, Tai Lung. Tai Lung yes. is such a good villain. He put, is. Some, put some respect on that child freaking movie. I don't even care. It's so freaking good. It's not a child um, movie. It's, it's art. It's art. It's art. It, it is pure art, but um, <laughs> first off, Clue. If any of you have not seen Tron Legacy, I am sorry you're missing out on a masterpiece. It was ahead of its time, did not deserve any of the hate it got. Um, Clue is a clone of Kevin Flynn, his younger self. And what happened and what makes him so interesting to me is that he was unable to change. He retained all of Kevin Flynn's imperfections, which was his knowing that perfection, well, his imperfection was not knowing that perfection cannot be attained. 
And so throughout this movie, Clue is just striving and just cutting out all these things that he sees as disease, as imperfection. And it just, it ultimately just leads to his demise, just his strive for power and perfection. It causes his downfall. It's a really good movie if you haven't seen it. But then Ty freaking Long, absolute menace. I love him. Voice actor, I can't think of his name right now. Absolutely killed it. But um, watching, I would almost call it a betrayal from Shifu in a way. Um, trained all of his life to become the Dragon Warrior. Promised it for ages. And then at the moment of his destiny, he's told, sorry, it's, it's, it's not for you. Like, can you imagine training your entire life towards this one goal and then just you get to the gates and you're like, nuh-uh. That suck. And then just goes down this path of revenge, ends up in jail, breaks free, and then confronts his teacher once again and just all this grief and oh I love Tai Long, but just the ultimate realization that it, it's it's not his destiny and he has to find what he's meant to do. Isn't he coming back for uh Concrete Panda 4? For like two he, seconds, I'm pretty sure. And then he gets like corrupted or whatever. No, I'm 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 tilted because I watched the freaking trailer and it it legit it's he's there to give his powers and then he gets banished again from my understanding, which picks me off because I love him so much. Is there any other um villains that we want to quickly go over? Uh yeah, Master Shifu from Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> he's the real villain. Because real. He didn't give Tai Lung um or is it Master Uguay? Because Master Uguay was the one who uh, decided who the Dragon Warrior would be. Yeah, it's true. Even though Master yeah, Shifu but it was nothing. I would say another great villain. I'm sorry, I've talked too much about him, but Darth Maul. Okay, I have that one down. Clone Wars Darth Maul. Exactly what I was going to say, yes. When you get into a little bit more of his insight into the entirety of the Clone Wars, the downfall of the Jedi Order, and just seeing his motivation and the ultimate climax of his story, I don't want to get into it because I don't want to spoil that for people. I want you to experience that for yourself if you haven't seen it. It's beautiful. Darth Maul's goaded. Yeah, specifically post uh, episode one. Episode one, he has no character development. He's kind of there to just, hey, the Sith is back. He doesn't need it. He's freaking Ray Park. And he's amazing. But the but the fact of, yes, that makes him look really cool. But in the end, what makes Darth Maul as much as we love him now is what has come from the Clone Wars. Yes. Sam even though he was still Yeah. Even though he's still fantastic in episode one because he was so cool and he had a double lightsaber. We grow to love him more as a villain and as a character because of Clone Wars. Yes, he's he's so good. If you haven't watched Clone Wars, I'm sorry. You're missing out. Please watch it. It'll make me happy. It's not a kid's show. You you see like 50 people get cut in half. Dude, please. You see genocide, slavery, sexism, like all these different things. It is it is looks like a kid's show. Does not have kid themes. Um, what about the Joker? Why is he such a good villain? Oh. Like Heath Ledger's Joker. He's iconic. Yeah. I was keeping this in the chamber because I felt like we were going to kind of go in the direction of a good villain is a sympathetic villain. 
But I think it can go either way because there are sympathetic villains in our world. But there are, I think we as a culture have kind of forgotten that people can be evil just for evil's sake. Yep. Like, I think we're getting like, this might sound a little like mean, but there are evil people. And like, they don't have a, they don't have like a secret good motive. It's not their trauma made them this way, so it's okay. It's like none of that. Like, I might like be taking this a little dark, but human traffickers to me are pure evil. Yes. Right? So pure evil exists, and we do need to recognize that. And I do kind of want to see a shift where we go away from sympathetic villains, like not completely get rid of them. I think it really depends on your story and the narrative and the theme you are going for. But in the world of Batman, we have somebody who is trying to take control back from his city, right? Because his city is out of control. And then we have just a pure agent of chaos. That is a perfect foil to that. Um, And that agent of chaos is the only one that is truly in control. Mm -hmm. That's what makes him a good villain. Alfred says it the best. Some people just want to watch the world burn. Yeah. He holds the key to Batman's motivations and he dangles it in front of him. That's why he's a good villain. And that is why Batman dangled him off a building. Yeah. I would say he, he also pushes Batman's morality like to the limit. He tries so hard to break all these like rules that Batman has set for himself. Yeah, all the while he is in complete control and he's just he's just having fun. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. He is in control and he is having fun and he wants to see other people break just because he can. Heath Ledger's Joker, but then I feel like a lot of people forget about Mark Hamill's Joker. I was about to say. He's so good. There's a there's a lot of different villains that we could just we could just have a whole episode talking about villains and you could get ideas off that but that's not the point we want to talk a little bit more because I have like seven other seventeen other ones I could probably say right now um, but I'm not going to because we need to move on in D and D you fight monsters and foes of all different kinds uh, you go from dragons to cultists to goblins to weird mermaid people. But your big bad in your campaign is special. What sets your big bad evil guy, your your main villain apart from all the other monsters you fight? And that could be your big bad for an arc or the overarching story. What sets them apart compared to everything else you fight along the way? Um, I would like to say that most of the time I feel like they cause some sort of like dramatic change to whatever's happening. Uh, for example, this is a big spoiler for campaign two of critical role. There is a man who was introduced pretty early on that goes by the name Lorenzo. And first of all, he kidnaps three of the party members and then he goes on to kill a fourth that causes major change in their party's dynamic and i would say it really changed how the characters interacted with each other and how they developed 
And then that in and of itself leads off to many different ventures uh, along with that. It changes their whole base, base plot of their campaign in a sense because they lost uh, lost a character in that fight. Yeah. I feel like with with normal foes, like they're kind of just there to be thrown at you to set up for the villain. Like mechanically in D&D, um, you have combat because some people like combat, some people like role playing. Like it's just um, com- like all those minor foes are kind of just there to fill in plot in a way to build up to hey, the big bad evil guy. Like um your stormtroopers in Star Wars are your filler-ins and then they then Luke goes on and fights Emperor Palpatine and Darth and Darth Vader. You know, the big bads of of the story. But the stormtroopers like they don't really they don't really add much to the plot or the story itself. Um like your big bad is the reason your story exists or your your character arc or your story arc exists just in general because like you said if they don't if nothing's changing what's the point of going on like going and finding something like in a sense if everything's happy why are you adventuring mm-hmm. in a way uh your big bad is the reason you have a story. And I, and I've kind of changed my way of thinking when it comes to planning and things out is I usually plan the villain and their plan. And then you guys figure out the way to, to stop them. So it's like, it's the story is not about the hero stopping the villain, but the villain's plans getting stopped. If that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. Is that, does that make sense? Do you agree with that or? No. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I would. Um, I would actually disagree with that a little bit. Oh, controversial! That's what I, was, I was waiting for Kendall because she she's the writer. That's why I wanted to kind of figure out. Okay, so um, to get a little philosophical, the purpose of a story is to show somebody grow and overcome something that they thought they couldn't before, right? Mm-hmm. So. If we are just planning out um, the villain having their plan and then it gets stopped, that doesn't really take into account the transformation um, of the character that is thwarting that plan, right? So I think it's really important to see who your characters are at this moment and who they can become. And that villain should bridge that gap. Like the actions of the villain should challenge the heroes like nothing else. Um, It should make them question their identity, like question all of these things. Go through some really rough times, um, but only at the end they they come out on top a fuller version of themselves. So I think it should be more, the villain is more catered to what the character um, needs to do to get their full potential, if that makes sense. Everything I've thought about for the past week has just gone down the drain, and I adopt your idea now. No, that's okay. No, you're fine, and how dare you? I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) No, you're fine. It's Honestly, you're you're 100% okay, because that makes more sense, because I think that's a key part to what makes a good villain is that the villain fits with your characters too. Yeah, and like not only saying. also challenges them. Yeah. 
it doesn't have to be obvious like, ooh, I stand for what's good and what's right. I stand for what's um, bad and evil. It could just be, I think that, um, I'm going to do a goofy example. I think drinking is wrong. And then your villain is like, are you sure about that? And then like, it's a whole thing. Truly, the, the villains we made along the way are the guys that tempt us into our addictions. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think, actually, I, ever, who else has comments about that? Because I, we, me and Kendall talked a little bit. Who else? I don't think any of us want to follow up after Kendall's little... Beautiful spill. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of hard to top. Sorry. So we'll just How? let Kendall end that one. No, no, I think that's I think that's fantastic in that way. Um, so what makes your your big bad evil guy different? If we can sum it up. Um. So let's basically the big bad evil guy. Like they don't have to start out like being completely like catered to your character and their journey but once your character poses a big enough threat i think they will start to um challenge them in that way and again this isn't like this isn't even like conscious challenging this could be subconscious this could be subtext challenging right um i don't know if i'm explaining this very well but Basically, your character has a moral code, and the big bad evil guy does not care about it. Here's a question off of that for everyone. What if your is a villain? What do you guys think about a villain who has the same goal as you do, but does it in a way that goes against like your moral code? Like they have a different moral code than you do, um, but you're going for the same goal like uh that old poster of britain vows to cut all homelessness in half by 2025 have you guys seen that yes and then everyone's like oh no they're gonna cut them in half yeah <laughs> those poor homeless people Did, would that make a villain in a sense or is that or like would your is that a villain or is that an anti-hero i think it what? depends on how far they take it yeah, I think that yeah, exactly because it's like if some person's okay with just murdering people and to get to where he's supposed to go, like is that a villain and that goes against your moral code? What what maybe we should define what a villain it define what a villain is specifically. What is the Webster's Dictionary's definition of a villain? <laughs> I, actually I actually have that pulled up. No. Perfect. It. Let's I've see. I've gone into it. the etymology of villain too, so. It says exactly here, definition. A villain is a vile, wicked person who actively opposes the protagonist or hero. Okay, okay. So anyone that doesn't believe the way I do, I'm the hero of my own story. Does that make <laughs> everyone else the villain? Yep. Absolutely. No, the keywords are there are vile, right? Like, if the person and isn't vile... Hey, that's subjective. Yeah, I was going to say, it is subjective. True. Because good like, and evil are subjective to, like, because I'm a firm believer that your villain, I mean, Joker, not all your villains, but a lot of your villains should, shouldn't think they're wrong. I like, have 
Go ahead. Uh, before we like redid the outline for this one, I have um. Oh, where is it in here? Oh, there was a question that says, should your protagonist and your antagonist be opposites? And I think that's going along with what we're talking about right now. I put what makes a compelling victim is that they had every opportunity to be the hero and set up for heroism and then chose to be the evil. Anakin Skywalker. Exactly. You beat me to it, you dog. Exactly. He was set up. He was, literally was the prophesied chosen one. And then he became the villain of his own story. I will say he is almost somewhat paralleled by Obi-Wan as well. They both have been, they fought like together side by side, followed along that same path. Sure, Anakin was the chosen one, but I mean, Obi-Wan still plays a massive part of that story. But then they both have horrible, horrible things happen to them, and they both have to choose what path they're going to go. They both had similar goals to bring peace and order to the galaxy but they ended up going about it in different ways. Can I talk real fast about the etymology of villain? Yes, please. Yeah. Because I think it's very fascinating how we got to the word. I, I love looking up the etymology of stuff. So it arrives from medieval Latin, the medieval Latin word villainous, which basically just means People who lived in a villain, villa, villa, which is just basically villagers. Villain and villager are like the same word back then, basically. I knew uh, those Minecraft villagers thing. had something to hide. Exactly. Oh, no. Um, so it's based off the medieval word villainous and um, was used more in late Latin between the 7th and 15th centuries. Um Obviously doesn't sound, if you just have it sound like villager, how did we get to the word villain that we have today? That's because the aristocracy that dominated medieval society, linguistics, and everything else had all the power to decide what those words meant, in a way. Uh, and using the word villainous developed into the meaning of a person of uncouth mind and manners. Uncouth meaning someone lacking good manners, refinement, or grace. Um, and then eventually that definition got worse and worse and came down to the meaning we have today. So all I have to say, Big Pharma was the reason why. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but I think it's fascinating that, like, that's how we got to it, where it just was villager at one point, and then eventually those in the higher, the higher ups, the, uh, what's the word? Those in the uh, aristocracy and all that, became turned that word into those who were less for them oh they're villains they steal they're they're not as good as i am so therefore they're wrong they're evil they're ungraceful they they don't have good manners and then it slowly just turned into they they're evil in a sense they're villains and vile and wrong in all that way mm -hmm. and there's your uh, history lesson ladies and gentlemen i like it you know i believe it's also pronounced uncouth Unquoth. I dropped out of preschool for a reason. Can we stop with the learning bits? No. No. So, okay. here, I want to ask you guys this question now. Does your villain, your big bad of your D&D &D campaigns, have to have world-ending plans? No. No. 
Absolutely not. Why not? Why is every single villain in all of D&D world-ending? Because people like the fantasy of huge, unrealistic stakes. Then why in the heck is it only up to you guys as the party members to stop it? Why is no one else giving a darn about it? Because it makes you feel like a god. Main character syndrome. Main yeah, character exactly. Syndrome. It's main character syndrome. That's all I can tell you. They're cowards. It's always like been fascinating to me in that sense of just like, I mean, I, I Bahamain and my, you guys in the Wednesday night group, Bahamain literally is coming back if you guys don't stop the ritual, um, which you guys just got captured in yesterday's session. So we'll see how that goes. Um, We're going to lose some guys in the party. It's going to happen. It's calling it. It's he's world ending. I'm not going to say it's a bad thing, but like, what are some other ways you can make your big bad interesting and not go in with the stereotype if you don't want to of, oh, the world is ending. I kind of have an example for this. It's my other group that I play with every Tuesday. So we are trying to track down the heads of a rebel group, I guess is what you could call them. They're called the Dolus Veen. And they're not doing anything world-changing. All they're trying to do is replace the church higher-ups with people who are less um, corrupted, basically. So that's not going to end the world, but in the church's eyes, they're the bad guys, so we were hired to get rid of them. How does that conflict with your character's like, does your character see him as a villain, or do you, you does your character see it as a way to just get, like, money or clout or whatever? So, there was actually, they're all on different continents, and the first one that we fought, she let us, like, question why she did what she did and why she was doing it. And my character said, if I were not hired for this, I would join your cause, because I don't believe in what the church is doing. So what makes your character stay in that sense? Well, like why my, my character died, so... Oh, well... Nothing, really. Be, I mean, being dead is a good reason why you can't uh, go do that. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, I mean, am I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm not wrong. I, I know what I'm talking about, okay? Um, let's see. Um... Any other comments on like what sets a D&D villain apart from other foes or the or anything like that? It really brings out the psychology of your dungeon master and how truly dark and twisted they can be. What does the psychology of Bahamain uh, bring out in me? Dude, you just hate existence, man. It's kind of depressing. (laughs) What? Oh, no, I enjoy life. Good. But I, I that's actually something else I've thought about a lot as well, is like what impact has, like, what has influenced, what, what's the word I'm looking for? What influenced this specific character in my, oh my gosh, okay, I'm going to be cutting this because I can't figure out how to do it. Um, let me write this down. 
What event in my life influenced the big bad evil guy? What influenced Bahamain? What influenced um not Everin because he's a good guy as far as you know. Um Alphilian or the research the research the you the what you found underneath the tunnel or the the all that stuff. And I thought about it and I think like Bahamain itself is kind of like um my desire for control, you know, because I like to be in control and Bahamain and, and like seeing the things that I do, my work I put in, making sure it's the way I want to go. It's kind of my cynical, like, I almost feel like sometimes I have a God complex when it comes to that, that I'm the right, no, no one else is right, I'm the only one that's right. And that I feel like that's kind of stemmed with Bahamain and it's how I'm dealing with that. Um there you go. Here's a that's my mental psyche for a second. Thank you for coming and being my therapist. Um what what connection should your villain have? We talked about this a little. Kendall brought it up. But what connection should your villain have with the character and how should it affect your character, the player characters in that way? I almost feel like sometimes having a personal connection can make the stakes higher. Give us an I, example. I can't really. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm curious because I don't exactly know how it went down with the Wednesday night group. Um, how was your guys' connection with Alphelion? Were you guys like close to him, and then he kind of switched up on you guys, or he he was kind of like swindling people in the town. Um, we were never really close with him. Okay. Well, then it I'm was... going back to good old Long John Silver. Because <laughs> we we really saw, like, again, I'm just reiterating myself from the beginning, but he got close to Jim. Like, he really, he wasn't, like, a horrible person. He had horrible intentions. a direct impact on his growth. Yeah. But, like, he had bad intentions that eventually manifested, but he created almost like a father-son relationship between himself and Jim, which has made that betrayal hurt. If Hunter's going to bring it back to Mr. Silver, I'm going to bring it back to Maven. Um, in the first book, the main character is in love with him. They're like, they're betrothed to be married. So I think when that betrayal happens it makes like hunter said the stakes so much higher because not only is she trying to figure out how to overcome his evil plans but she's also trying to figure out how to overcome her emotions and personal feelings towards him i'm gonna bring up my book now okay okay the one i just finished the one about the human dragon love triangle of death um because it's literally was the most predictable thing in the entire world. It's your basic young adult novel, love triangle. Uh, there's a rogue dragon that is not part of the group known as Talon. And, and the main girl sees him and falls in love. But then another boy shows up and turns out she doesn't know this, but we know this. He's part of the group that has hunted dragons for hundreds of years. But they fall in love and he falls in love with her, but he's on a mission because he's looking for her and her brother to kill. 
And then in the end, he's not able to kill her because they fell in love. It's not really, he, he wasn't a villain. And honestly, it was the most obvious thing in the world. But it's just kind of like that, that thing of like, that connection you have with the character. And then it makes that betrayal just way more um, hurtful in a way. Because in that book, this I actually really like this book, if you can't tell. Um, in this book, the main girl, uh, Ember, and her brother Dante are part of this group known as Talon. Dante ends up falling more of like going along with the group with Talon, and she becomes a rogue. And you can just feel that divide because you're like, oh, they were they were brothers and sister, and they had this brotherly like this sibling bond that I personally I love my siblings and I love hanging out with them all that stuff. And if any of them were to betray me and send a hitman or send someone to kill me, that would hurt break my heart. So siblings, don't do that, please. Um, but, you should start checking your mail more thoroughly. <laughs> don't, you think I look oh, at my boy. mail and, and where I live? No. <laughs> but just that betrayal that happened where then Dante kind of becomes a villain throughout the whole story. He has a whole redemption arc, but he becomes a villain who is constantly trying to re-get his sister back to to the organization, kill the other rogue, kill the, the one dude, then the one order... And he is now an opposition, an antagonist to his own sister. And it kind of pisses you off. And I think it made him a very well thought out, well made character because of that. Um, and it dragged me in where I listened through all of it, all five books of this young adult romance dragon book. It's called nice. Talon if you want to listen to it or read it. <laughs> um, is there anything else? That is pertinent for our audience to know when they are coming up with a villain in Dungeons and Dragons. That's crazy. Uh, like we said, they don't have to have earth-ending goals to be a villain. Could be just some guy trying to abolish orphanages. I agree. Well, sure. That. I'll also say they don't need to have redeeming qualities. I know that a lot of the ones we've talked about have had like, oh, you love them because of this and this and this. Make them evil. Make it fun. Make a Joker-esque character. Make make your, your Emperor Palpatine, your Sauron, your Joker, just some of these people that just want to watch the world end. And it does your your villain doesn't even have to be a person. Um, who's seen The Shining? Has anyone seen The Shining in this group? Yes. I've seen hey, clips. Who's you the bad guy? I haven't guy? seen The Shining. That's why I, was, I figured you had. Who's the bad guy? The hotel? I don't know. It's the... You're right. It's not... It is. Wait, is it really? <laughs> yes. And, Man. So when Stephen King originally wrote the book, it is about a family who has struggled with isolation their entire life. The dad, Jack, I believe is is his name. Jack, right? I think so. Um, yeah, Jack, it's been a while. Jack Florence. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> and he he has struggled with alcoholism. He's struggled with. He got fired from his job as a teacher. He wants to be a writer and all this stuff. And they go to the Stanley, the Overlook Hotel, hotel, uh, uh, the Overlook Hotel, and um, which is inspired by the Stanley Hotel in Colorado, which I really want to get to stay at, and. Eventually, the hotel is this evil entity, in a sense, that wants their son. Um, 
wants the 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 parent's son and how he gets to the son is through jack making him like he's had alcohol before making all just all these different things happen where eventually jack then becomes part of the hotel and tries to kill the son and the and the, his wife and eventually they get out in the movie though you won't you normally wouldn't get that because they make it seem like jack is the villain but it's really the hotel and the evil entity the evil force of the hotel that makes jack do those evil things making the hotel the evil uh the evil villain in the shining and then doctor sleep as well um which is the movie adaptation of doctor sleep has ewan mcgregor uh space jesus and we love him space um, jesus but it's your your villain does not have to be a person it can be a monster you can have a, a godzilla situation um godzilla was originally made as a villain um godzilla it was in, obviously made by the japanese was inspired by in the 1950s the u.s was um experimenting with hydro uh hydrogen bombs i believe with nuclear weapons in the marshall island and one of their bombs was a lot bigger than they thought and it killed a bunch of people there and a few years later godzilla was made and they actually use images from that explosion to represent godzilla so like he he's he's a villain that's a fun fact about godzilla godzilla is super fascinating because of that you can do monsters you can do hotels you can do taverns or whatever the fetch you want to do that doesn't have to be a person your villain, I love what Kendall said, your villain has to connect your character to what they are going to be, whether it's good or bad. Like Luke's, it. yeah, Luke Skywalker could have been evil. Mark Hamill actually wanted him to turn evil. And Darth Vader and Emperor Palpatine could have been the way to get him there. Your, your villain has to have that impact on your player characters so that they have a reason to grow. Is, is, is anyone opposed? I'm going to say that. Anyone opposed to that? Nope. No, Not at you. all. Kendall, what are you, Kendall, fight me on that. Let's go. Just kidding. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, it's, you hit the nail on the head. Um, anyone else want to say anything before we uh, end this lovely Watch episode? Watch Treasure Planet. Yes. Watch Treasure Watch Planet. Watch Merlin. Watch Merlin, Merlin are, because they cool. have, they have, Excellent villains. Hunter said it. Villains are dope. Uh, I think that's it for the episode. Which means we, we put this off last week and we're going to do it this week. Thank you for listening to the episode about villains. It is time now to go over January's responses to questions. Okay. Um, please stay tuned. We enjoy this part because we love your guys' feedback. We love when you participate in all of our um, questions and uh, polls because we enjoy reading what you guys say. Uh, so we're going to go look at Tells from the Tavern camp campaign question and answer. Um, a question from our good old friend N8, a.k.a. Nate. Which aspects of each player's character are reflections of their actual personalities or opinions and which are completely opposite of their usual self but just feel right? Ooh. I don't know. You can either answer that now or I think that would maybe that kind of comes... Makes me want to do an episode where we talk specifically about your guys' characters, and then we can ask that question. Could, could you repeat that question? 
which aspects of each player's character are reflections of their actual personalities or opinions and which are completely opposite of their usual self but just feel right? And I think with Bast and Roland and Strider, we've talked about it before, you guys are in your comfort character stage um, where... Um, what, what am I trying to say? Where a lot of it is from your own personality. At least a little bit. Not a lot of it. So I think, I think we should do a, a episode where we discuss your guys' characters and why you built them that way. Uh, so then the, our audience can kind of get an idea of how to build like a backstory. I think we've yeah, talked about it a little bit in the past, but I'm all for doing more. Yeah. Okay. Nate, yeah, we'll answer that question in another episode. <laughs> Rangers. Okay. Rangers Q and A. We didn't. We had two. Uh, for, uh, one of them says, "I like swarm keepers because the swarms can carry you to you or enemies toward or away. Imagine bees carrying you or enemies away, or can automatically let you avoid opportunity attacks each turn." Uh, which is hey, that's crazy. the one I love. Swarm because you like bugs, spiders. Uh, mm. I just learned about Monster Slayer su subclass and it sounds epic, especially fun in the campaign where the threats are a mix of beast and spellcasters. Um, that is from our Ranger one. We have Sam gets his knowledge tested. This was a great one. And six votes, Kay, is a column a line in D&D &D rules. We can skip Two this votes. One. Or yes, or we're no. Uh, Nate also says, I need Sam to come up with a quiz for whoever has the most D&D experience and see how well they do. He did great today, even the, with the ribbing from y'all. See, Nate's on your side, Sam. Thank you, Nate. I love you. Bam. There we go. <laughs> Bam. No, we, we like Nate. Nate's awesome. I'm joking, Nate. You chill. Paladins. Uh, I did not do a question or a Q&A for that. That is m m my bad. Uh, <laughs> some more of our D&D &D stories. Uh, who had the favorite moment from uh, some more of our, our best stories? Haley, you had our favorite moment of everyone. Ooh. And then that, I think that's it for everything. So thank you guys for participating in the, the questions and the polls. We appreciate that a ton. And please, please, please answer those. I, I, we're trying to get better at putting... Unique questions and polls so that you guys can answer. Take some time and answer the poll. Write out a question or answer the question. It doesn't take long. You hit a button and you type a few words. You're good. Um, but that is the official end of the episode. Thank you guys so much for coming out. We appreciate you a ton. And we, we want to thank those who are directly supporting us with mon like through monetary means or whatever it may be. We appreciate the ton. You don't have to do that, but we love that you are willing to do that so that it helps us be able to uh, make this podcast better. Uh, make sure to check out our socials on Instagram and TikTok at Beyond the Tavern Wall. If you have any suggestions uh, for episodes, questions, or comments about the episodes, please feel free to email us at beyondthetavernwall at gmail.com. Um, and as always, the best way to get this podcast out is by word of mouth. You sharing it with your friends and family help the podcast grow uh, in more, more ways. It helps us get into the algorithm so that we can be seen 
Um, and because of that, we have a side quest for you all as usual. And Haley has it today. Haley, what side quest are we sending them on this week? You are going to share the podcast with someone who is always rooting for the villain. Share the podcast with someone who is always rooting for the villain. Thank you guys so much for coming out to the episode. We love you guys. Everyone, say your final goodbyes. Bye. Bye. Bye